Hello and welcome to Undo Lectures you'd listen to. I am Serena Rodriguez and I am Sharan Kumar. The pandemic has bound us to our homes and working, studying and being at home all the time is the new normal. The internal and external chaos that this has caused has taken a toll on all of us in many different ways. So, for today's episode, Home Not Alone, we shall address the much neglected topic of mental health with respect to family relations. We also have two incredible guests with us here today. Our first guest is Neeraj Kumar. Neeraj Kumar is the founder of the Unsound Project and comes from a Dalit background identifying as a non-binary queer folk. They are a queer affirmative counseling practitioner, psychotherapist and a social worker associated with Nazaria QFRG as a consultant counselor. We also have with us Saida Lamia Parveen. She is a counseling psychologist and a co-member of the Queer Muslim Project. She is a queer affirmative therapist and researcher working on resilience in queer communities. Thank you for joining us today. So before we begin with anything else, I think uh, we'll start with the basic question of a question which actually sounds very basic on its surface, but I think it's one of those questions that uh, there's no necessarily a correct answer uh, that we can give. So uh, how would you define mental health? I think for uh, mental health for me personally is something a lot to do with well-being and how one is able to you know deal with the everyday part of our lives. I uh, I see mental health more as a overall uh, overall development or overall human rights issue. Mental health isn't just about your emotional health or psychological health. All right, that's great. So I think we have a very um, multifaceted pers- uh, perspective. There's a personal view of mental health as well as a social component to it. So uh, what do you think are some of the myths that have been perpetuated, which should not actually be uh, in people's minds? If you, if you, you know, we are talking about mental health and there's something to do with the deviance, there's something to do with the difference and, you know, you automatically become this, you know, something that, is not acceptable so i think to acknowledge that part of it that's a big big part of it with young people specifically that how you are lazy you know you don't want to do work uh, so i think all of those relatively deviant and you know abnormal sort of a behavior that we quote unquote abnormal behavior that we considered consider abnormal are big myth related to mental health for me yeah Uh, We also encounter a lot of religious stigma associated with mental health, you know, like people believing that pray and it'll go away. Uh, But also other myths is uh, locating mental health only as an individual problem, something that is located only in the person that the person has to figure out and solve and not really um, understanding the structure and not really understanding the context of a person's lives. I think these are also some of the myths that uh, you know mental health uh, is still dealing with right so uh, i'd like to uh, pick out one term that you uh, use which is uh, ableism and it's certainly uh, i think something that people don't even realize that they're indulging in and uh, especially in um, a society like ours i mean i don't mean to generalize but uh, a lot of uh, 
एटलीस्ट पीपल आर एज और मिलेनियल्स इन जनरल दिस जनरेशन फेसिस अ लॉट ऑफ एज नीरज ऑल्सो मैंशन एक्जेशन लाइक यू नो दिस जनरेशन वेरी लेजी और थिंग्स लाइक दैट सो दे इज ऑलवेज अगेन एज यू सेट पर्सनल द फीलिंग ऑफ पर्सनल फेलियर सो दे इज ऑलरेडी दैट वेर यू नो ट्राइंग टू प्रूव सो मच दैट आर ओन स्ट्रगल विद आर मेंटल हेल्थ डेफिनेटली गेट्स इन द वे ऑफ going about our lives which is even more difficult now because of the lockdown so uh, my main question is that uh, like you said it uh, there's a lot of uh, the background of a person also factors in so do you think uh, how does uh, according to you how does the social or economic background of a person uh, define their own personal mental health or even uh, their perception of the whole concept of mental health i think uh, you know when we use terms like socio demographic or socio economical you know it one mm-hmm. like i just want to critique that uh, term a little bit because you know that that's a very uh, it's a very public health the very policy making term and you know it loses mm-hmm. lot of uh, uh, in depth and you know lot of uh, nuance to it so one when we say socio economic what are we really referring to only gender sex you know sometime you go to you know you go to uh, slums in delhi you go to low income spaces even in delhi urban uh, situation people those who are living in basti or somebody who is living in a rural right they have very different ideas of health which comes from very cultural religious identities one is that a couple of examples i think i want to bring here because it becomes important that how depression has constructed from a social suffering theory depression is something that you know most of the margins can have it but how will you just say you know somebody who does not have access to water or you know as a dalit person who is asked to you know just kept on saying that you can't go to that well and you know you just can't drink water your choices are limited your mobility is limited and there is multiple level of violence happening so your psyche automatically learns you know silence so your psyche has developed over that part so whether it's depression or whether it's dalit identity who will you blame right and the same goes with the gender and sexuality other parts which are unique stresses to you know all identities so yeah these are my thoughts lamia there's been a lot of criticism from people maybe who do not really understand mental health about how mental health is this upper caste upper class problem you know for rich people depression is a rich problem a lot of people say and um, and while and when i say that structural inequalities need to be taken into account that's not what i mean at all like i don't mean to say that people living under oppression of different intersections they do not have mental issues or anything like that what i mean to say is that it it's important to recognize the structure it's important to recognize the context of people's lives you know like there was this one um, research a news article actually i think last year maybe a couple years back uh, where this uh, psychiatrist in palestine said that uh, people in palestine don't have ptsd she said that they can't have ptsd because it's an ongoing thing like if they're scared if they're getting flashbacks it's because they might actually die they might actually get like there might be a an attack and they would actually die it's not just a flashback of a traumatic event that happened there is no space to even develop ptsd right so to understand mental health uh, in the context of the lived experiences of people is very important and when talking about um uh and how oppression uh how it creates mental health issues in people and how we uh, how often we feel 
to even acknowledge that, you know. For example, with the Queer Muslim Project, with my life as a queer Muslim woman living in India, like if I if if I go to a therapist and they do not acknowledge the fact that Islamophobia is such a huge factor in how I navigate my life, in and. and and the fact that I'm a queer woman uh, in a relationship with another queer woman, if they don't acknowledge how these things are going to change the actual lived reality of my life, then it's not, it's not good enough to just say, okay, let's fix your anxiety or let's fix your depression. Right. Even you know? though mental illness is common and it can affect anyone, still there is a great stigma attached. And this stigma creates reluctance and shame in seeking help. So like youth suffering from mental illnesses haven't still opened up to their parents and now being at home, this has worsened the condition for some. Like even when I was in school, um, we never had a lecture on mental health or anything of that sort. I mean, we did have a counsellor, but uh, anyone who would visit the counsellor's room would be jeered at. And I have observed, like it's real life experience that this has affected the child who used to visit the counsellor. And eventually, no one had the courage to seek help from that counsellor. And I know that this can affect the mental state of the child. And she started thinking that she's abnormal when actually she was not. But I was the same age as her and I couldn't actually explain this thing to her. So what would you want to tell such people? At what age should you think that children should be in, uh, introduced to the concept of mental health? So I think when we're talking about counsellor, the idea See, what happens is the fact is that your institution is asking you to go and visit your counselor and come happy. So that's what yes. expected out yes. of you. The, what it, this is the expectation. And if you don't meet that expectation, then you need to just go away. <laughs> we don't know how to deal with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we'll say, yeah, right. Because then we'll say, right. So we are talking about one-time interventions. One-time intervention, but what about sustainability of counseling therapy? Will you let will you hire the right counselor? Will you hire a queer therapist? Will you hire somebody who is, you know, who is young, youth friendly? Or do you want somebody, you know, in an institution who will just go and report everything to you? Because in institutions, counselors are also hired and they are also forced to report everything to the principals. And speaking about India, uh, many Indian families do have a conservative mindset. And the youth have always had to deal with this kind of communication gap that sits between them and their parents. But this time it is different. We are all locked up in within the four walls of our house and we haven't got a good escape from the communication and, you know, the lack of understanding at the home front. And um, as we grow up, our parents also tend to become nosy in what we are doing. And now since we're spending so much time together, it has become tough for us to connect with our friends or our partners in the presence of our parents. And a lot of us had actually moved out of our homes for college or for jobs. And now we are accustomed to our own space. So how can we actually make space for ourselves or ask for space without sparking a conflict? Like it's difficult at this situation to maintain peace our peace as well as you know peace in the family so how can we ensure that there is calmness and there is peace in the house in this situation okay oh thanks thanks for the question i think it has been uh, when the since you know the covid 19 thing has started it has been a very very regular question around it i think uh, one a couple of things i think before I answer it, I think to also understand it, I think it's, it can also be a great time to reflect back and you know, what are the things that's bothering you? Otherwise, if you feel that there is a, you have a mind and space that you know, what is something is really bothering you? 
that because it's not that you know your mom was not coming earlier or you know your parents was not being nosy but of course you had a way out right so is it yeah. something that a way out is bothering you or is it the behavior which is bothering you so i think to also reflect on it because earlier we were engaging in the behavior but we were okay when we went out so we also did say to say yes to the other structures so you know to also reflect upon it that part of it that you know ki what is something is bothering me right now uh, one thing i think clearly to reflect also with like a lot of young people i can just say that whoever is going to listen to this that uh, we we have we you know uh, indian families are constructed on codependency so we are nurtured and we are brought up in this very dependency culture where you know it's a very brahmanical idea that you can't raise your voice against elders you just can't question so you know you are right. dissent is also not celebrated so you are just told to become a follower it's mm. a very traditional guru shishya parampara or you know very power hierarchical sort of a construction what are the duties of a man woman and etc it's clearly defined what the children are supposed to do it and you know take care of mother father so these are the construction of the families and you know to reflect again to it that you know how much we are okay with it how much are we not okay with it because it's not that we are completely not it's not that we are you know going going to say no to everything how one is going to locate themselves so one is that um i think just a reflection on the dependency second that there are a lot of other things happening there is a exam stress there is regular part i am not able to meet you know my friends there are desires you know what what you know to reflect back that you know how i was coping earlier are uh, is there do i have you know some way of strategies to work around it can i just you know figure out thing and etc and if it's not if it's not happening then to also acknowledge oneself that you know it's momentarily it's for some period of a time if, you know if let's let's figure out you know if i can just survive this particular time and probably later i can figure out my ways so the, and i think third will be just to build empathy also towards because pro- now you you know you are in a better situation so also to reflect upon that you know pa- your parents might not be in the situation to have that information and knowledge so just to you know have try to see from the very logical reasoning and etc from structural lines that what is happening yeah lamia um on a very basic level like to answer this question well i think um, building on most like a later part of our narrative saying to find ways of negotiating that might be okay for you uh you know like to know what things that you have to do because there are some non negotiable things that parents just enforce and sometimes it may not be possible to rebel against that or go against that you know uh so mm-hmm. maybe to find ways of negotiating this and at the same time to try and find like your inner resources you know you did live in that house before you you when you didn't have the support system outside or the structure outside you lived there and you you were able to survive that so to go back and figure out a little bit of those inner resources and also to keep finding ways to connect to this support system outside like and here obviously the assumption that there is a support structure outside right so um, finding ways to connect like uh, with friends and getting some space for yourself in some way if it's feasible but sometimes these things are not really possible sometimes the threat isn't just that your parents don't understand you there's you know like for queer people let's say there might be a, the threat of actual physical violence uh, and then um, it becomes even doubly more important to make sure that you're physically safe and find out uh, you know just somehow to survive this specific time 
so yeah, I think this this conversations uh, like I was saying again, like are more complicated than just saying uh, parents uh, there's a communication gap or anything like that. Because this lockdown also specifically, you know, like everyone is experiencing this lockdown differently, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You, for us, for many of us, like I, I, I'm in a house. I, I have food, electricity. I have TV to watch. I am surviving like pretty well, right? But so many people do not have those privileges, and so this lockdown experience is not something that can be generalized even across like students. It's and also like I'm gonna say like a controversial, not a controversial exactly, but I'm still gonna say um, also these conversations that you're having, right? For example. You are talking about uh, uncomfortable conversations with your parents. You're talking about parents not able to understand you. Uh, and these are also problems that uh, a lot of like same Muslim students in India are facing, but at the same time, they're also discussing strategies of survival. They're also discussing strategies uh, of what will happen if the government actually does something drastic to us right now. It's already doing it. So to acknowledge that there are so, so many complexities to these experiences and it's not universal in any way. You like, uh, there are people who tell me like, oh, how do I live with my family? They're all, you know, this very rapid right wing people. And um, I honestly like, while I do feel, uh, you know, I, I understand the struggle of living with that, but I also look back in my own family and we are thinking about uh, how to sort of survive through this time so these conversations are not similar they're not the same and it's important to acknowledge it i think right and many of us do not speak openly or cannot speak openly to our parents and we share most of our personal stories with our friends because we feel very comfortable with them because they relate to us and they know us and you know they give us solutions maybe all the time it's not right but they do give us and they help us instead of scolding us and all and um, since we cannot meet our friends, we can only connect them over the internet. And also at this point of time, we feel that we have more privacy in public than at home. So is there a chance that it can cause more loneliness because we don't have a real-time social contact with our friends? I think loneliness is also, again, then it, with, the, with the COVID time, it becomes very subjective experiences also and how, you know, one is going to locate it. And I think, again, it's not a one sort of idea that will work or not. But uh, I think I will give you a very uh, interesting example. I think uh, when, you know, like the Kuwait was not so great in India, right? Earlier parts, right? People used to have like a lot of virtual dating. It all started with the virtual connection, etc. And people did find their communities. Uh, with other parts of, you know, when you, you can't, you know, meet people or, you know, when you're living in army employed areas when there's connectivity very less and how do you meet people and etc. Through phones and, you know, uh, with this technology that we use and it does reduce some sort of loneliness and, you know, worried and anxiety. So I think one is to also acknowledge this part of it that, you know, you have access and, you know, you are able to speak this part of it. So one is that. Second, also to acknowledge it that we are in living in COVID situation. It is it is a little it is a difficult situation. It's a we're living in a pandemic. Pandemic really going to ask uh, you know strike a lot of caution etc. It's a subjective experiences, but I think to just come back to this part of it that it's a it's for like some time and we have to live and survive this time and it, there is also not a one way how you going to survive it. It's not a good or bad way. If you're feeling lonely, it's great. It's fine. You know, reach out to your friends, try to speak to them. Uh, 
figure it out what are the ways that you know you can vent out your emotions if you feel that you know talking to friends does work by not you know fair enough to get connected to them and it's not necessarily that you know you need to work or you know you need to feel less lonely or you know don't if you want to work on your loneliness that you only have to talk to your friends you can find other mediums of you know expression people connect to books people connect to you know journaling some people like art uh, art arts and etc so also to find the medium that how you can feel some sense of you know belonging and where are you in this position i think that can can be a little easy version of looking at loneliness but also there is no uh, i think we need to just start accepting and acknowledging it that it is a lonely process but it's okay you know this process is meant to be lonely but we can figure it out you know ki am i being you know how should i just cope up and etc so i think this i just want to say this part here i do i would still recommend uh, you know connecting with friends over video calls or phone conversations if that is accessible to you because even like while physically having people around is might be what like a lot of people desire and might be better in like in many ways but to also acknowledge that it's not possible right now yeah it's not possible we are in the middle of a pandemic and uh, actually i was reading this theory i i do not remember the person who talked about it so again like i'm a little iffy about mentioning it but someone was talking about how uh, just video calls because we don't have the physical presence of the person actually makes ends up making us feel more lonely but uh, they've actually been a life saver for me so i i mean they 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 make sure that i am able to be connected to people find be connected to my community to people who can you know support me and love me so for me i found them really useful and i think um, to have a little bit more compassion for yourself that yeah it's, it's a pandemic it's not a vacation it's not a holiday that you've taken for yourself you know the, the loneliness uh, this is a part of uh, being in this very strange time that we're living in and just to understand and give yourself a little bit of more space to feel all of these things that it's okay if you're feeling lonely if you're feeling a little low if you're feeling all these negative emotions that might just be because we are in the middle of a pandemic there's so much there's so much happening in the world constantly and even if you are not personally being affected it's it's something that's out there and it's affecting all of us and it's important to have that compassion for ourselves and at the same time to uh, acknowledge that uh, just to be able to access uh, Uh, the support system friends video calls any of this this is also something that a lot of people don't have you know so uh, but 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 to find space for yourself and and ways of self care that are possible in this very limited strange sort of time i think is really important and um, yeah i i mean you'll have to figure out some way like i mentioned inner resources in a way so to like neeraj was talking about like painting and writing and all of those things to so some space some some space for yourself where you can feel where you can allow yourself to just feel and just be you know so i think those things are really important again like all of these within the larger conversations of you know how this lockdown is not the same for everyone and all of that but yeah these are many many of the things that you can do and to acknowledge and understand and have compassion that i will be lonely because this is a difficult time it's not a holiday that i decided to take you know it's stressful and it's okay that it's stressful because there's nothing you can actually 
do about it right now right so um that the, those are some great points and uh, i think uh, my last question our last question to you would be we've been talking about uh, and not just we uh, there's uh, you know everyone who's been writing about uh, people's experiences in the lockdown and uh, especially re- related to mental health we've all been uh, talking about how you know uh, so people are feeling lonely etc etc we've all, we've had all of these conversations so do you think there's any um sort of a positive change that this uh, sudden transition in people's lifestyles can bring about in us like is there something positive that can come out of this i think to also remember this part of it that you know this toxic positivity that we are talking about it comes on the you know blood of marchants and etc that we have completely ignored and i think this is i want to just say we need to move beyond this toxic positivity conversation also but also on a very lighter version of you know as a as a very young therapist or you know to young people that great i think make sense of this experiences you have access to education you have access to the language see what's happening we need you you know to make it more radical structural changes and see how how are you locating and you know let's try not to make it only this conversation about ourselves right now let's try to see how this is this can this can be like really collective healing processes also and you know overall yeah so lamya yeah yeah actually i'm just i'm going to just build a little bit on what neeraj was already talking about they mentioned this toxic positivity and i think this ideas of uh productivity uh and who is a productive person and what productivity looks like I mean, these are all very uh, disabled, like you know, ableist, neurotypical concepts that leaves out a lot of lot of people in the from the margins, as Neeraj mentioned. And um, I think this, like this question, is also very much related to like this need for us to find a silver lining in like bad experiences. But there doesn't need to be something can just be bad, and it's okay. You know, if you're not productive, if you're not doing anything good during this pandemic, it's okay. Just have some compassion for yourself because. it's a hard time for everyone especially like for people in the margins who are suffering even more but even like if with all the privileges that you might live with even then like this pandemic is definitely stressful so i think it's it's okay to not put that pressure on yourself to be productive to only to spin it in a positive way you know um and uh, neeraj very very nicely said that it's built on the blood of the margins and that's true because a lot of people do not have these options to be productive mm-hmm. to ha- put a positive spin because there are real yeah. structural issues that they are constantly dealing with right and if you are able to be productive if you are able to be uh, to put a silver uh, to find a silver lining but a positive spin to it all the more power to you but that that in no way means that people who are not able to do that are somehow failing the lockdown you know it's not a competition mm-hmm. it's okay if you're not doing anything All right. Uh, that was a great conversation. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I think we, uh, you know, covered a lot more aspects and how, uh, you know, mental health uh, includes so many things. And I hope we were able to, you know, bring a fresh perspective to this topic. That's it for this week's episode of Unduped. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your insights. We could not have done this without you. This podcast was brought to you by the BMM students of St Xavier's College. For more updates, please visit our Instagram page podcast_unduped. 
Thank you for listening.